Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Tunnel Vision, a show brought to you by uscfootball.com. I'm your host, Keely Orr. We're glad you joined us for the first show of 2019. I'm joined alongside Shotgun Sprightling and Ryan Abraham. Happy New Year, guys. How are you doing? Happy New Year. What's going on? We made it through to another year. Yeah. To another year. Here we are, the year of shotgun getting hitched, the year of <gasps> whoa, whoa, Cliff Kingsbury <laughs> coming to USC and running the offense, probably, hopefully. So. Probably, maybe, we'll see. <laughs> maybe, maybe. It could be an interesting year. It should be an interesting year. It's, it's always, covering USC sure. is always interesting. That's, always interesting. That's the truth, actually, right That's there. the key It's point. never boring. There's always, There's something, always something, something going on. It's very true. Well, today on, to, on the show, we're going to be talking about Cliff Kingsbury, we talked about it. NFL rumors. Will he be an NFL coach? Will he even step foot as USC's offensive coordinator in spring? We will see. TBD. We'll also talk about Bubba Bolden, the former USC safety. There's an update on his uh, situation. Will he return to USC? Uh, we'll get into that. And of course, we will answer your questions. I believe we are trimal casting. All three. Starting off 2019 on a good foot. Uh, <laughs> YouTube Live, Facebook Live, and Periscope. So put your questions in. We will answer them. Um, we're monitoring all of those. Um, so we're looking forward to a, a fun show of 2019. Um, a Should lot be. of things kind of transpired over the holidays, right? How, how did you guys feel about everything that broke? Yeah. So, well, what, real quick. We got a new oh. uh, decoration, too. Thanks <laughs> Look at to that. Uh, Gerard Martinez, who was on our last Tunnel Vision show. Very popular. People are like, who's this guy? He knows what he's talking about. You're like, yeah. <laughs> but he lives way far away, so we don't do it. So, uh, yeah, we're still going to do... They're still doing more, but we'll, uh, we got a little extra decoration in the background. So hopefully you guys enjoy that. Um, yeah, I tried to like kind of back away a little bit after, you know, the signing period. That was like basically right before, that was my birthday. And I was like traveling to go to Tennessee to hang out with the in-laws. So I tried to like kind of back off a little bit, but USC doesn't let you. There's no. always something. They pull you up. back in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wrote like 11 stories and like 9,000 words. <laughs> The Tuesday and Wednesday of signing day, uh, and then went out because I knew I was flying to the East Coast, and my cousin said, we're going out. I was like, all right, all right we'll do it. I had a 6 a.m. flight that I did not sleep for, so I got the East Coast, and I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to step away from, oh, wait, stuff's still going on. <laughs> What's happening? Yep, it never stops. It never stops indeed. So first off, Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, USC's new offensive coordinator. Uh, he's already he's he has he signed the papers. He hasn't coached anything yet. He does he, have an office though on campus. He, so he has actually been on campus. He's got polo. He's recruited. He like, stepped foot on campus, but he hasn't been on like Howard Jones yet. Maybe not sure. But he's, he's been on Trojans Live. To their, uh, that's true. Yeah. But he's already trying to get poached by the NFL. There's multiple reports out that multiple NFL uh, uh, teams want him as a head coach. And if, if you can't really blame him if he wants to, if he gets some offer to be a head coach. Shotgun. They want, they want to <laughs> interview him. That doesn't necessarily mean they want to see like, a little trot out. We'll see. And hey, you, you, a guy coming off a bad record, you might be like, this might be a guy we interview for the future. If you know if he, you know, we've heard a lot of good things about him. We don't know if he's the guy right now. Maybe if you blow somebody away in the interview, then, then you know that's what you you go with. But I think it's more a. Uh, you know, a precursory thing for him. And I think for him, you know, he might be set on this USC gig and say, you know what, I want to you know, revamp my image before I go trying to, to move on to a head coaching job in the NFL or college. So, you know, he might be just testing the waters and saying, because it's always good to go through the interview process. Yeah. 
you know, especially even when you when you don't think you're qualified for the job, you don't think you're ready for a job. You know, it may, you might be swinging for the fences on something, but you go, you know what? Let me go through it. Let me see what they're talking about. Let's see exactly what. And you know, I'll get some feedback from people that will talk to you know whoever I interviewed with, and you know they like this about you. You know, they were concerned about this, and you find out about those things, and then you're ready for the next place because his dream job. I'm pretty sure his dream job was that Texas Tech head coach job. You know, the way he talks about, you know, love His alma mater, yeah, yeah. Yeah, his alma mater and everything. So it didn't work out there. I wouldn't be surprised if in 20 years he goes back there as a head coach. If he if his career path takes off and, and goes forward like a lot of people think it can, I wouldn't be surprised if that's a job where, you know, even if he goes to the NFL and he goes there for, you know, 10 years or something, he's like, you know what? He's getting fired from a job because every NFL coach gets fired. He, even Marvin Lewis finally got fired after 16 years with the Bengals, I think it is, um, and zero playoff wins. Uh, wow. But even he gets fired. So everyone gets fired in the NFL. So you, you, if you say, you know what, I can go from NFL head coach back to Texas Tech and they would take me, that type of thing, then maybe that's something he does in the future. But I think you go and you try out the waters and see. And I think USC fans should have anticipated this. This is the hottest name. This is what you want. Yeah. You want to go get the hottest name. You know, When Clay Helton was hired, how many people were coming and going, man, how many NFL teams or head or head coaches otherwise were coming to interview him? No. And and people were upset about that. They wanted somebody that everybody else wanted. Right. So now you've got it. Don't be upset that now other, other teams are coming looking for him. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I agree with you 100%. Houston, the Houston job came open. Did they call Clay Helton? No. People are calling Cliff Kingsbury. That's what you want. And I've, it's weird. I've had not an argument, but people, discussions on Twitter and on the Facebook, even people already responding. I think Marlon on our Facebook feed was talking about, yeah, you know, it was a bad hire, Cliff Kingsbury from the beginning. No, it's not. It's a great hire. It's a hire that other people want. And that's, that's what you want at USC. They haven't made a lot of those hires. This is someone that other people want. And I've had email discussions with friends and stuff like, how could you do that? How could you? Well, look, it's, He's the offensive coordinator for a five and seven USC team that's you know headed up by Clay Helton, who a lot of people felt should have been fired last year. The guy that's you know going to be on the hot seat. If you have an opportunity to become a head coach in the NFL, who's going to begrudge him, you know for doing that? Like his reputation is not going to be tarnished. We just saw Manny Diaz go from the Temple head coach in less than three weeks to the Miami head coach. He did, did nothing there. And already moved. If you get that sort of an opportunity, it's not on the person that's get, given the opportunity. It's on the people that are trying to hire him. That's on Miami or that's on whatever. If the, the Jets or the Cardinals want to hire him as the head coach, I don't think there's any chance that he would stay. Um, and I wouldn't blame him for, for going like that. But I agree with you. I think a lot of it might be feeling the waters. The, the NFL is a copycat league. You see what is successful What's successful? What's hot right now? Young offensive head coaches. And that's what Cliff Kingsbury is. Now, if he's going to say he goes to the Jets, he's got Sam Darnold. They want someone that's going to be able to mold their young quarterback. They don't have a lot of great pieces, but they got a good one in Sam Darnold. And if they feel like a Cliff Kingsbury can come in and make it a very dynamic offense, they'll give him a good defensive coordinator. He doesn't have to recruit to Lubbock, Texas. He's going to be on par, you know, personnel wise with everybody else. So I think it's a good situation there. But he was 35 and 40 as the head coach at Texas Tech. That's a huge fail upwards. My gut is he ends up at USC. He stays at USC. But I think there's a real possibility that one of those two NFL jobs uh, is going to hire him. There's eight open NFL head coaching positions right now. So, uh, and, and if you're a USC fan, I mean, 
Yes. I mean, if, if he leaves, you should be worried. I don't I don't think he will, but, you know, it's a possibility. But you shouldn't be mad that he was going to leave. If he's got that opportunity, I mean, who wouldn't take it? And also realize that it's the NFL. Uh, not only is there the Rooney rule where you have to, you know, interview a minority coach, but they interview a lot more than colleges do. I mean, how many interviews were done before Clay Helton was named the head coach? How None. many interviews were done <laughs> before Steve Sarkeesian? I mean, there was one or two in there that you heard about, but it wasn't like there was nine guys that were interviewed, whereas in the NFL, it's more likely that there are several interviews. A guy like Vance Joseph just got fired by the Denver Broncos, already had two interviews set up with the openings that are there. So there are a lot of people that are going to be cycled through and you know see what they have to say, that type of thing. You're going to check and see what these guys have to say and where the direction you think they can take you in. Does Cliff Kingsbury fit a better mold than any of those other guys? That'll be the question. Yeah. Uh, you know, and there's successful coaches out there that are, you know, that ha don't have jobs right now. Jim Caldwell was very yeah. successful with Indianapolis and had a ba bad year when Andrew Luck got hurt and he got it got thrown out if I remember correctly. Uh, but you know he's interviewing for jobs, so there are several candidates out there. So it yeah. doesn't. He it's just because he's being interviewed you got doesn't a Super mean, Bowl winner out there. You know Green Bay's former head coach, Mike McCarthy. Yeah, yeah. It's like so it's know. not like Cliff Kingsbury is the top guy no. on that pecking order. Now he was the top guy for offense coordinators college wise, and USC did a good job of getting him in. And now you're having to go through this ordeal of of waiting and see because that's what happens when you hire talented people. Now, if you're USC, do you have like a contingency plan? starting to get in the works because you don't want to be left high and dry if uh, Cliff does leave. Like if you're USC, if you're Clay Helton Lynn Swan, what are you doing right now when you're hearing this, uh, these reports? I mean, that's a good question. Do I believe there's a contingency plan? No, like, I don't think. <laughs> should there be? There At this point, there probably, there probably should be. Um, but there, you know, Shotgun's right. There's a lot of interviews. It's not as much in college. It's kind of like the secretive thing. Sometimes it's more open in the NFL. Flight trackers. Oh, it's really crazy. For, okay, for Mark Rick to retire or whatever happened at Miami, I mean, literally, all the AD did was call up Manny Diaz, who just took the job at Temple twenty days earlier, and say, "Do you want to come?" And he said yes, and it was over like that. My, I, I'm sorry to the Miami uh, website people because. That's our biggest thing ever is getting a coaching search. So for you to have like one come like out of the blue and then be over within like 15 minutes, I'm, I'm sorry, you really didn't get to take advantage of uh, what could be really fun to do cover these coaching searches. It's really it's like the busiest thing we ever do is the coaching searches. But yes, uh, I don't think there's some kind of contingency plan in place, but you kind of have to start looking around at this point. I mean, maybe they're, you know, inside the building, he's saying, look, I just want to interview, but that's it. But it's sort of like, you know, when uh, a, a kid's committed to USC or a kid committed someplace else, he's like, I just want to take a couple official visits. And he goes somewhere and he's like, whoa, this is amazing. I'm committed to you, but I want to take an official visit. You go have a great official visit, you might end up committing to that other place. So whatever it is, I do think USC has to do that. Do I feel that they have? Probably not, but that would be my gut if I had to bet. Similar situation to Manny Diaz in a different extent, Lane Kiffin, leaving Tennessee to come back to USC. If you see your dream job out there, are you going to stick around? I mean, if you get hired at 7-Eleven and Apple comes calling, you're going to be like, you know what? I just got hired at 7-Eleven, so I'm going to stay here. <laughs> no, you're, you're going to go for a job that's much better. So, you know, you, you can't fault anyone for going for those interviews. Now, the question about the contingency plan, you should always have a list. There should Every AD should have a list be like, and just mark them off as you're going, you know, because. There's no list. 
There always should be a list. There, there should always be should be a list for every sport. There you should know, be a lot of things. You should always on. be consulting with people and be like, well, because you, if someone gets hit by a meteorite, you're going to need a new coach, right? Contingency plan, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you should always have a you know a list uh, there that you should be able to go through. And, and you know that way you can always be, if you've got a list, you can always be talking to other people. I'm like, what do you think about this person? Whereas if you don't have a list, you're just like, you know, he's got something scrambled around, rolling around in the brain, then... You know, you don't you don't have full knowledge. You can't you continue to build on the information that you have if you don't have something set there to you know that you want to go to at a second second level, I guess you would say. So I think you should always have a list and have a contingency plan. But do we think that? Uh, I'll let Ryan answer. No. <laughs> but as far as if, if if big if if Cliff were to leave, does that also mean that Mike Jinks, the new running backs coach, would leave as well? It will USC be looking to fill two slash three positions. So basically three guys were fired, right? So T Martin, um, Kenichi Deze and, uh, and, um, what, uh, Ronnie Bradford, Ronnie Bradford. I'm like blanking on his name already. <laughs> he's already he's, gone. He's got, yeah. Um, you know, here and then, you know, Neil Callaway was fired earlier and then, uh, Brian Ellis, Brian Ellis ended up leaving to go to Western Kentucky to go to with Tyson Helson. So the big move was Cliff Kingsbury. You thought that because of all the uh, references to Notre Dame, you thought there would be multiple moves. I think there were 17 staff changes or something with uh, with Brian Kelly and Notre Dame. USC didn't have anything close to that. And your biggest one is Cliff Kingsbury. If that one doesn't go through, I think you need to reevaluate everything because you just didn't do enough. Now, if you had made a bunch of other big moves and Kingsbury goes – you could probably backfill that with somebody else that has, you know, that maybe in that same sort of system, uh, another air raid coach, something like that, that wouldn't have as big of a name, and you'd still be okay. But right now, all your eggs are in that Kingsbury basket. If he's gone, I think all bets are off. You might have to retool everything. And I think Dan Weber said on our podcast, like, maybe even retool who the head coach is, which, I, I mean, I don't think something like that's happening. If it, he wasn't fired before, it's not happening now. But the moves you made after Kingsbury weren't, you know, ground shaking. They weren't these earthquake kind of moves. I think now, if if for whatever, if Kingsbury does go take an NFL job, you have to reevaluate everything and maybe make even more moves than what you did before. Johnson uh, on YouTube said the fact that, that Cliff Kingsbury's contract does not include verbiage that protects USC does not allow him to interview for a year is a joke. However, I don't think he's signing that contract. No. And remember the whole thing with there was. I think it was Thursday when we, you know, that there was a deal in place. We believed there was a deal in place, and it wasn't until the next Tuesday or so that it was signed. That's where all that stuff gets ironed out. That's where the agent comes in. The agent probably said, hey, I know he's a hot commodity. He's not signing anything if that verbiage is in there. So, you know, I think you have to give and take in those negotiations, and that's probably one of the things that USC gave up because they knew that he was such a hot commodity that if you do not give him kind of what he wants, then he's going elsewhere anyways. Yeah. And I don't think you're going to have, I mean, you have to look at it as a whole different, this is a different level. This is not, you know, if he was going to become a head coach at a lower power five program, I don't think he would go to someplace like that. If like Ohio State said, hey, we want you to be the head coach. I think that's something you'd look at. You go from USC's offensive coordinator to that. You're talking about jumping to the NFL to be a head coach. Like that's a huge leap. I don't think you're going to have anything in there. He's going to be making, if, if he did that, it's like six, you know, seven, eight million dollars a year. Like it's a whole nother 
stratosphere as far as that goes. So I don't think you could begrudge him for doing that or or USC for not protecting against that. I don't think you can protect against that. I mean, this is a capitalist society. If someone's going to take you from here to here, like who's to say no to that? Yeah. As far as when slash if USC fans can take a deep breath, what's the timeline going forward? Once the NFL jobs are filled. I yeah. Think. Okay, yeah. Basically, the Jets and the, and, you know, it's probably, probably going to be done in the next week or so, I would guess, at the most. You know, I don't, I mean. I mean, there's no real rush before the Super Bowl because that's true, nothing yeah. can really be done uh, in that fact, unless you're hiring someone to also be a GM. I think there's some slight things a GM can do before the Super Bowl. But basically, during the playoffs, I, I think, so you're going to basically a month that you're still going to worry about it if they if the hires are not made before then. Because, you know, yeah. because then after the Super Bowl, uh, and possibly even before, because coaches want to get in as soon as they can to start scouting and start saying who who do I have here, who do I, who can I talk to now, you know about guys that are going to be free agents. You want to sit down and talk with everybody and figure out things. Coaches want to get in as soon as possible, and if you're putting them in their best situation, then you do that as the GM or the owner hiring someone. But there's nothing that pertinent, I don't think, before the Super Bowl. Um, I, I think the only thing is really like the senior bowl type of thing. Uh, and I don't, I don't even know exactly when that is. I think that's in, is that in January? I, I think it is. Yeah. I've, I've gone to that once or twice, but the, yeah, the Reese's senior bowl is, I think is the only thing like the college, the couple of college all-star games for seniors and stuff. I think those are the only real things and your scouts and your GM can go do that. If you really want your, your coach doesn't have to go do that. But yeah, well, I mean, I kind of get the feeling it's going to be sooner, but you know, we'll see like, but it, it's going to be the Jets or uh, the Cardinals. So I think if you know if those two do some interviews early, they make a make a hire, then you'll know what's going on. If they, if they wait a while to hire, then I think you have to kind of keep waiting if you're a USC fan just to see who gets those jobs. Because Kings, unless Kingsbury's eliminated somehow, then they move on. If he if he makes a statement, something like that. Um, but until then, there's Look, a little worry. It's possible. It's not probable. It's possible. He shouldn't be hired though. No, but we've seen them do weird. He'll go thirty-five and forty at Texas Tech. Yeah, I mean the, the Big Twelve was not some giant. Pack. It wasn't SEC. And you were facing Alabama and LSU every single week. I mean Texas has been down for six straight years. You know Oklahoma has been the only real contender there. Oklahoma State's been good, but I mean you went thirty-five and forty at Texas Tech. Yeah, but I mean should Sean McVay have been hired? Uh, McVay People, actually. They're just trying to do the Sean McVay hire over again. That's but McVay was do. really good in what he was doing before. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not Kingsbury's saying they're really right, good at what he's doing. But that's what they're trying to do. As far as offense goes, yeah. Yeah, well, you're hiring. You're not hiring him to be an offense coordinator in the NFL. You're hiring you him to be see, the head coach. You could see a GM or a president be going like, "We want him to bring his offense in here for our Josh Rosen or our Sam Darnold, and we'll give him a defensive coordinator. We'll handle all this stuff." He's like I said, not recruiting to Lubbock, Texas. There's a lot of differences there. You could see an, an NFL. You know, personnel them doing that. Oh, I'm but, saying I can see how it would happen, but he should. That's not. No. He has not earned it. Yet. I think a Mike McCarthy. Like I think he'd be a great. I, he's probably the favorite for the Jets. I haven't seen lately, but I, I think he, you know he's probably like a favorite for that. Um, you know, we'll see where it goes, but you know, a little little worry. I just I'm not sure what USC would do because that sort of <laughs> fell into USC's lap. It's still it's the best hire, and I'm not gonna. You know, I, I'm not going to say anything disparaging towards USC. We said this is what you got to do: hire someone that's good at their job that doesn't know the fight song. That's exactly what they did. It was a great hire. Now they didn't go all out on the rest of the hires, but they, you know, they at least hit the big one. They hit the home run that you wanted. I'm just not sure USC fans are ready, or the, even the the program's ready for him if he does go. Which I think is a low percentage, but if he does go, 
I'm not confident that they could go back and and do something even anywhere in that same area code as getting a Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, as we said at the top of the show, make sure you get your questions in. We'll get to those soon. Uh, we mentioned Bubba Bolden. There was uh, a development on that over the course of the holidays. Um, I tried to ignore it while I was gone, but it was not, it, not gone. It kept popping up. Uh, so <laughs> Bubba Bolden has been reinstated at USC, meaning because of a state court ruling, USC has decided to reopen his investigation, which means that he is allowed to re-enroll at USC uh, starting January 7th. That's the beginning of USC's spring semester. Um, I reported earlier in the week talking to someone in Bubba Bolden's camp that he loves USC. He's a big USC fan, but right now he's verbally committed elsewhere to another school he's still enrolled at his junior college um so right now they're a little mum on what could happen but i know a lot of people got confused at what that means that just means that bob bolden can go back to usc if he wants to uh but there has been no movement on that front as of yet yeah he could come back to school we saw with bryce dixon he was allowed back in school like he went through lawyers and stuff and they said okay you have to you you, you basically they said you railroaded him out of you know out of school he's out to be allowed back doesn't mean the team needs to take him back. So the team didn't take Bryce Dixon back. He ended up getting in trouble again, but he was allowed back in school. So he's allowed back in school if he wants to go back to school. Will he? We'll find out, you know, in the next few days probably. Yeah. But then if he goes back to school, do you know he will be on the football team? So we don't really know any of that. I'm sure he would get that assurance before he came back. Yes. yes. That, would, that would be one of those you things. You would want something like that. But, but like I said, there's no assurance that when he comes back, the investigation doesn't turn up negative against him yeah. and he's right. basically tossed out again or you know whatever it may be whatever the the ramifications there would be it's just that the investigation is being opened up again yeah now from what we've heard it, it sounds like he has a good chance there as far as that investigation but you never know with these type of things i mean some of the other ones we thought they had a good chance too and it didn't turn that way yeah. for the players so uh I, there's a lot of you know question marks there before he gets back on the field for usc yeah yeah. First like, off being, does he want to come back to begin with? Yeah. 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 So there's a lot of moving parts that have to happen before you see Bubba Bolden ever again on a USC field with the jersey on. So I think there needs to be a couple steps back because some people were right. like, he's back now. And it's like, wait, hold no, on. No, 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 he's not. Um, it's yeah. possible. It's possible. But yeah. is it probable? I don't know. I think there's a better chance of Bubba Bolden coming back than Cliff Kingsbury leaving. But there's you know possibility for both. Interesting. Yeah. I've slipped it. You would flip it. More chance of Cliff Kingsbury leaving. Oh, I, said, I heard that wrong. I thought you said staying. That he would stay. <laughs> no, no, no. Bubba stay. I think they both are possible. <laughs> There's possible that Bubba Bolden comes back. It's possible that Cliff Kingsbury leaves. Sure. I think it's probable <laughs> that Cliff Kingsbury stays. Yeah. But I wouldn't say it's probable that Bubba Bolden plays. Okay. <laughs> Shall but, we get into Facebook questions or both questions across the board since we're trimal casting? Yeah, now. yeah. Uh, we have a question from Daniel who says, How bad would Cliff going to the NFL look on Lynn Swan for not firing Clay and hiring a new coach instead of hiring the hottest guy on the market to be his assistant? I mean, I don't think it makes him look worse. It's not like it's not Clay Hilton's not the reason Cliff Kingsbury would go. It's a great hire. I mean, that was the one good thing that they did was hire Cliff Kingsbury. But they were in a, you know, you're in this position that's you're on shaky ground, you know? So if you do something good, there's not a lot of recovery from it. You know, if, if, if something goes wrong and that 
this was the good thing they did is hire Cliff Kingsbury, but there's no, they don't really have anything else to back them up if something goes wrong there. So it's really nothing new. It's not nothing new that um, Lynn Swan did wrong. It was his decision to extend Clay Helton in February and then keep him in November. Um, it just, it kind of looks worse, but I don't think there's anything different that Lynn Swan did. It doesn't make him look any worse than what he already did with all the fans were mad at him and flying banners and all that kind of stuff in, in November. Yeah, once you made the decision to keep Clay Helton, I don't think that it changes the vastly changes in opinion based on a coach coming, you hiring the hottest coach, and then him deciding to go elsewhere. Yeah. Um, I, I think if you hire someone who nobody wants and he stays, I think that looks a lot worse than hiring the hottest guy and him, you know, <laughs> getting a better job in the NFL. I mean Grant. Yeah. It's just you put yourself in a, you know, on a more precarious position by, you know, it, everything's just more fragile right now, you know, just because of you have a coach that's on the hot seat and you aren't really sure what's going on. You had to make a whole bunch of changes. You had to make that statement. So you need to come out and do some good things. But every once in a while you do something good that blows up in your face or just it goes the wrong way. And it's all, you just can't afford any sort of uh, miscues like that going forward. And this wouldn't be on Lin Swan, but you are in this position because of what you've done previous. Yeah. Yeah. Ivan brought up a good point. How do you feel about Temple's AD? Do you feel like he's, you feel worse about him because Manny Diaz left? No, I don't think you feel any different about him. No. no. And it's, you're, you're the AD of Temple and the AD of Miami wanted your guy. Like that means you're going to lose your guy. Like there's a pecking order unless the guy was a Temple, you know, born and bred. There's, you know, there's re like Jeff Tedford is going to be a hot coaching candidate because he did, he won 11 games or 12 games at Fresno State. Um, and, you know, but he's a Fresno State Bulldog. He's had some health issues in the past. He might stay there, you know. But if USC called, it's almost like that's a foregone conclusion. Yeah, you would go leave Fresno State for USC unless it's a really specific situation, like you're at your alma mater or anything like that. For Manny Diaz, it was a great opportunity for him to become a head coach. But it's a way greater opportunity to become the head coach at Miami. And you, you don't never, you don't ever know if that's going to come up again. He could be, you know, a 500 coach at Temple. And Miami gets somebody good, and they never go back again. If he's got that chance, you want to take it. Grant, I don't. I don't blame the Temple AD for that. Yeah, Grant says, "Why is following USC so stressful?" <laughs> Saw that one. Covering it's very stressful sometimes. We're um, all stressed. The community. Is it's uh, you can never like. It's just there's always something going on. You can't take a break. Uh, you have to be ready for. Oh, that's crazy. Now <laughs> it was worse. Like the Sark stuff, like the Sark years were worse. It was like every two months there was a drop everything. This is the craziest story Fire you've ever alarm, heard. Yeah. Everything's going like, you know, from the Josh Shaw's, like, you know, weird stories just coming out of the blue. A couple, obviously, with a bunch of Sark ones, um, you know, Lane. And that that starts from the top where you hire these questionable guys and you get weird things happening. You can't be shocked because those are the kind of hires that you made. Yeah, it's the same thing if you go out and you bring in a bunch of kids that are have had disciplinary issues in high school, and then, you know, if half your team's made up of guys that, have, <laughs> you know, had disciplinary issues in high school, and you're like, why does crazy, why do guys keep getting arrested in our college? I don't understand. <laughs> well, it's about who you bring in, and, if, and that's why when you hire Clay Helton, because he's, as Ryan loves to say, the adult in the room, you you think that you'll be free of those things. That's yeah. what's kind of made this the most interesting. Now, granted, the issues aren't coming from the coaching staff as they were previously for some things. Uh, but 
you know, I, I think that you're still concerned about how many off-field incidents and stuff that there have been, but that's also partly what's going to happen when you have 105, 110, you know, 18 to 22-year-olds gathering together every day to do something. Every once in a while, there's going to be some misfractions. Sure. How do you handle those misfractions? That's kind of the question. Is misfraction a word or is infraction or? Did I say misfraction? Let's combine them all together. <laughs> Urban Dictionary, misfraction. Like misfraction. Since like you it. brought up Sark, though, uh, Diego um, Perez had a question. Okay. He said, anyone else think if Coach O would have been hired instead of Sark, USC would be a top contender now? Okay, I saw a stat um, that was of the past, since Orgeron took over as USC's interim coach in, what year was that, 2015? So it was, yeah, it was like Kiffin. No, yeah, Kiffin fired, Orgeron took over. Sark fired. Well, yeah. Since, well, since Orgeron took over, oh, he sorry. went six at two at USC. Then he left for the bowl game, and and Clay Helton took over interim for the bowl game, and then Sark was hired. And so Sark was hired, and then they let Clay Helton do the bowl game, whatever. But, but since that time, all time, like from that point on in 2015, Ed Orgeron is like the number six or number seven winningest coach in college football. So it's like. Saban, Meyer, Dabo, Sweeney, and 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 Orgeron's right there. Like he's like, like number six or seven. I forget what it was. USC. That move by Pat Hayden was the worst move by any athletic or any athletic director probably in the history of college football. I'm going to be a little dramatic, but it was a really horrible move because one, Orgeron was very popular. I know there's some USC fans that hate him. You cannot tell me that USC would not USC football would not be in a much 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 better position. Than it is right now. If you had hired Ordron instead of going with Sark, not only just would Ordron do better at USC, but Sark flamed out after 16 games. I mean, you hire a head coach for a year and a half, and he flames out, and then you get another interim coach, and you end up hiring him, and now he's in battle and all that stuff. All of that, it was this. You know, if you just kept Ordron, you wouldn't have this avalanche of horrible things happening at USC. Oh, and by the way, by you hiring Sark who was probably going to be fired very soon by Washington, that allowed Chris Peterson to leave Boise and go to Washington, and they went to a freaking playoff, and they've won the Pac-12 twice in that time. What are you – the worst move ever. It was great for the Pac-12 North and Washington, and it was horrible for USC. So, yes, USC would be in a much better spot with Orgeron. And, he's you know, is he the greatest coach in the world? No, I don't think he's great, but I like him a lot. I think he's learned a lot. And USC would have been way better if you kept him. True. We would, need a rant cam. I swear. I like we the need rant. a little a little rant cam. We do a little Ryan. rant cam kind of thing. Yes. Would would he be the ideal candidate? No. Like people were saying, no, they should hire a guy like that. Well, look who USC hired. Like he's way better than the people you, that USC hired. If USC went out and got a Chris Peterson, yes, that'd be better than Ed Ordron. But look the way USC goes. If you just kept Ordron, way way better. Uh, Let's point out though. Uh, Ivan Drago. I was point. about to say that. Yeah, go. That Coach o, he said that Coach O took over a program that gave him a blank check to hire whoever, which is true. Bringing in Dave Aranda for $2 million, basically. You know, what has USC done coordinator-wise to make you think that they were going to bring in guys for $2 million? You know, is are you going to give the same leeway to Coach O that he got at LSU to bring in those type of guys? That would be the question because coordinators are a big part of how successful head sure. coaches. It's Jimmy's and Joe's. But also the X's and O's recorders does matter. Yeah, it's I, true. yeah. I think I mean they they brought in Kingsbury, so I mean there's something there. 
Uh, I think for an Orgeron guy, you'd probably let them bring in a, a pretty big name offensive coordinator. We don't know, but he, I thought he did a really nice job in the, you know, in what he had to work with at USC just seemed like it was the right thing to do to, to even if it was for just for a year or two, but the way they went about it and, you know, bringing in Sark is just like, Oh my God, that was like the worst move ever. So, um, yeah. Would he be as successful at USC? I think USC's record overall would still be better. I think, uh, you had kept him alive. And there's a variable that we don't know about that if Sark was sober the entire time, how would he have done, you know, cause that's also, which hurts the whole argument because you don't really know how good of a coach he was in that period because he was ended up getting fired because of, not because of his abilities as a coach, but because of his inability to stay sober. Yeah. But nominate me other moves from other athletic directors that were worse than that one. Let me know. Put it out there. Put it in the comments. comments. Give me some other athletic director moves that were worse than that. Wow. This is pretty bad. Mike Garrett getting Cal State Los Angeles sued and giving him $2.75 million. That's probably not a good one. I mean, that's not good, but it's not nothing compared to like putting your program in a, in a, you know, in a swirling the drain and allowing one of your rivals to get it, to make the college football playoff all in one swoop. Like, I mean, I mean, that's like almost one tenth of their endowment. So, (laughs) okay. (laughs) It's Cal state LA or whatever, you know, moving on. Yes. Uh, We have a question on Facebook from Jason, who I believe is Jason in Longhorn country, which crazy putting a name to a face. Uh, He says, my dad's a Longhorns fan, and after going with him to the Sugar Bowl, it became clear how far USC is from both Texas and Georgia. What will it take for SC to be able to play with either of those teams? I don't agree with that. Because you just saw USC play with Texas last year. You just saw USC should have been ahead of Texas for that game, and then everything fell apart for them because of one block kick. So I don't think they're that far away from Texas. Now, if you're saying Texas is up there with Georgia, which they were the other night, definitely, yeah. then that tells you that USC – if they get their crap together, is right there too. The talent plays, and the USC's talent is good enough to play against Texas. So if you think Texas is up there with Georgia, who we've pretty much agreed is in that upper echelon with Alabama and Clemson and those schools, they're one of the schools that are up there. If, if you think Texas is there, that means USC's not that far away. Yeah. I think skill-wise, USC's there, skill player-wise. It's the line play that's not. And uh, how much is that as talent? How much is that as coaching? development, um, strength and conditioning. I think all of it can factor in. But if you looked at the Ohio State USC lines uh last year in in, in Arlington, it just it, you know, Ohio State was definitely better. And I saw that in the Rose Bowl, uh, you know, Ohio State and Washington. I think you have to work on the trenches to get that up there more. Um and you know, I think skill players are fine. USC's fine, but kind of building up the trenches more. And uh some of that's coaching too. Uh, Eric Lee says, when was the last time that Lynn Swan has held a press conference? When he was hired? When he was hired, he was up there. He was there when Helton was hired, right? Uh, no, because that was that was still Hayden. Yeah, Hayden, that was Hayden's Hayden like made last him oh, the permanent right. head oh, coach. And, that, and Hayden didn't want to talk. And he tried to... We like cornered him in yes, Heritage Hall. In the hallway right. is where we or had... Or in the McKay Center. <laughs> yes, it was crazy. <laughs> Um, so yeah, just Swan when he was hired. When he was hired, and I don't think he's talked a couple of times after games, like after the, the Pac-12 championship. Briefly, yeah. Being accosted versus like I'm officially yeah. holding something are two different things. I was going to yeah. say that. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that he's been he's been talked to a couple of times. He's given a couple quotes. Um, I think he sat down maybe once or twice with reporters. Yeah, I think Joey Kaufman actual once. press conference. Um, 
Yeah, usually we'll get them. Like, you know, Dan Weber would get like Pat Hayden or somebody in the offseason. But they're not making him. He's not speaking. Um, so he'll, he'll speak uh, at a, at a uh, you know, in a controlled environment, but not answering questions and things like that. Yeah. Uh, we have a question from Douglas who says, do we know who initiated contact first, Helton or Kingsbury? Kingsbury kind of said that, you know, he made a call. Uh, I think it was mutual. Let's but. be honest. It was probably neither one of them. It was agents. Yeah. That's who does it. And the fact that they have the same agent, correct, Ryan? Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe uh, they have the same agent. No, I think uh, Helton has um, Sexton. Jimmy Sexton. I think Kingsbury has a different guy. Oh, my problem. I think but so. I'm not a big agent. That's guy, probably where it comes from. Yeah. At, least, at least one side of that conversation was, hey, let me reach out for UNC. And then... You know, because nobody, no coach wants to call up and be like, "Coach, you know, I, I see you guys got an opening." Yeah, we're not really interested. No yeah. one wants that, so they ask their agent, "Hey, put a feeler out and see what USC is kind of feeling about, yeah. you know, if that's a possibility." Then it comes up. Yeah. So really, it wasn't either one of them. Do you have any YouTube questions, Shotgun, that you would like to address at this time? Sure. Greg Miller asked if Kingsbury does leave for the NFL, would Clay Helton go back to play calling? And that's a big question. Yeah. He sounded like it before all the cliff stuff happened. No, he was going to, it sounded like he was going to be, you know, much more involved in the gumbo or whatever you want to call the offense. I think the, the good thing and the people that are like, he's only going to stay for a year. I think what that's still fine. Like you want to bring in a guy like that to install his system and see what can be done with the talent USC has. If it's really good and USC scores 45 points a game and Kingsbury leaves and, and goes somewhere else. That's fine. What you want to do is make sure you bring in a Kingsbury disciple, a Mike Leach, someone that's running that same system, has, has run it with Cliff or whatever. I mean, it might be a Mike Jenks. Who knows? Whatever. Someone that's familiar with that and keep doing it. You don't want to then go back. Well, let's go back to what we were doing before. So I think it's a way to kind of get somebody in the door who's really good. And even if they only stay for a year, you want to keep that system. You don't necessarily need to keep him. But you want to keep that system somehow. Would they do it? I don't know. I don't. I don't know if that's going to be the case because if you don't get to, if he gets hired by for an NFL job, Cliff Kingsbury, then you're not getting a spring practice and starting to employ all this stuff. You know, deploy all this stuff. You you're not you know putting in his playbook. You're like okay. Oh, well, I'm saying if he's. I'm talking after this first. Okay, okay, gotcha. okay. I'm not saying if he leaves tomorrow. Yeah, then it, his system's not in place. Yeah, I think the question, you know, being does he does Clay Helton go back to calling plays depends on who you can bring in after him. You know, if it's a third or fourth or fifteenth choice of USC, he's just gonna it's gonna be Clay Helton to Lane Kiffin or Clay Helton to Steve Sarkeesian, where you're offensive coordinator in title, but you're not calling the plays. So I think that he's going to trust himself more than he's going to trust his 15th choice. But where is that line of demarcation? I'm not sure. Uh, I think that Cliff Kingsbury being the hottest name out there and the fact that his offense is produced year and year over tells you, all right, we should probably hand the reins over to him. Yeah. But whoever comes in next, do you feel the same way about them? I don't know. So you're talking about like if this happens now. No, if this not, happens okay, now. I thought you meant after like the first, like the first year or something. Okay. Uh, Mateo says Tunnel Vision is the – Love of my YouTube life. Ah, thanks, Mateo. thanks, Mateo. Do we got a lot of people on the YouTubes? Yeah, we have. We're all everyone's here. We have Gary, uh, Gary Leach has a question. He says, "What are the coaches doing during the dead period? Specifically, is Cliff trying to teach Kerry Colbert and Tim Drebno how to coach his offense? Is Clancy Pendergast doing the same with Chad K?" 
I would say he's probably out interviewing for an NFL job. <laughs> <laughs> they can't really do stuff with the players yet. So I think there's a lot of coaching going on. I, I think with the offensive side, I think that's real. Like you have to, okay, here's what we're doing things. You have to teach the coaches. And I think on the offensive side, that's what they're going to be. It's what you should doing. be doing. Sometimes during dead periods is when coaches get to go on vacation and different things. You know, it's like, hey, you can't talk to recruits anyway, so get away for a week or whatever it may be, or you know, get a staycation or something. Go to Santa Barbara. You know, something that's not that far away. Ooh, Santa Barbara's nice. Uh, but I, I think that's Catalina. a lot of times what happens in, in dead periods. Uh, but when you have a new coach. You should definitely be in the office. There should be stuff going on. That's what should be happening. I'm not saying that's what is that exactly happening. We don't get to go in the offices and just pop in. Hey, coach, how you doing? <laughs> yeah. Seeing what you're up to today. It's pretty rare. Just seeing what's just, on the recruiting board today. <laughs> we had. Uh, sorry, I've been trying to look at the Periscope stuff. There's a lot of comments, but uh, Rob Ruiz, 79. I, I was going to do it, but Keely won't let me read. Of it. course, <laughs> Ryan. Yeah. Play, tweet at Keely is my name. No. Uh, to, uh, Rob Ruiz, 79. Will Coach Clay Helton consider bringing back, he says Pete, I assume he means Pete Carroll, to run the defense if Clancy leaves? That might be the weirdest, like, first of all, Pete Carroll is like, just signed an extension in, in Seattle, right? So uh, they got new ownership and stuff coming in. He's got them in the playoffs. They turned things around. I know there was talk about Pete Carroll maybe coming back because blah, blah, blah. But um, no, he's... He's going to retire with the Seahawks, is my is my guess. If they would have had a terrible second half of the season, that might be something that would even be on the board. But you know, when he's you, not going to be the defensive coordinator for Clay Helton, though. No, not, not the defensive <laughs> coordinator, but coming back as, like as head coach, if that would have been a possibility. But they played really well in the second half. They're in the playoffs now. They're a dangerous team in the playoffs. You got an extension. He ain't coming back. Yeah. Um. And we have a. Oh, sorry. No, no, and not to be the defensive coordinator. Well, definitely not that. Anthony uh, says he's, he was ever a defense coordinator, was he? Yeah, he was. Okay, um, my bad. I don't know the old Pete Carroll history is pre <laughs> prehistoric ages. <laughs> yeah, because if you didn't, don't think, if you don't realize he's been there what a year longer now than he has been at USC, yeah. or is this is you know I think it's the year? same nine years or something like that. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Anthony says, "Can Norm Chow be a viable option?" No, <laughs> stop. What? What? No. Why? Why are these? What? Okay. <laughs> Remove yourself from names that you heard before and go, oh, Norm Chow. I know Pete Carroll. Like, these are all great. No, they're not great ideas anymore. I was trying to put a, a lid on the, the rant that was Sorry. about to happen. No, no, you're good. You're good. Lid, yeah, it's over. It's just, we've gone on this before. Like, no. Why, why would you say that? Why would you even bring that up? Don't do that. Don't ever do that again. And particularly with Norm Chow is because he's had, he hasn't had much success since he left USC. Yeah. He's, a, he's been a great coach, but like that's mo you've moved on. Like you got to move on from that. Cigar Twisted Leaf on YouTube says, uh, "Any word on major uh, changes?" Oh wait, it just popped up. Sorry. Any word on any major changes to the strength and conditioning? When you see Alabama, they are physically imposing to their opponents. Answer is no. We yeah. haven't heard anything. Haven't heard anything about changes there. Clemson's quite imposing too, especially when you got multiple people getting suspended for PEDs. Yeah, um, but no, I know that's been a subject people wanted to see. Part of the changes that Brian Kelly made at Notre Dame was a strength, uh, strength and conditioning coach change. I think if you want to change the culture, which Lynn Swan specifically said, that's the, the area where players are worked with the most. It's not you know the head coach and the assistant coaches. It's the strength and conditioning program. So good or bad, I don't, I'm, I'm no, like I said, a hundred times, 
I'm no strength and conditioning expert, but if you want to change the culture, that's probably an area you'd you'd want to go. Um, we haven't heard of anything like that happening. How important to you guys is changing strength and conditioning? I know for some people, it's like the end-all be-all. USC won't have major changes without it. I mean, can you, even if you have Cliff still going forward, can you really have change without strength and conditioning changes? I mean, I don't, I think they fell short of, uh, Cliff Kingsbury's a, a grand slam, but I think everything else, unless they do something else, is it's not enough. It's not enough to meet the list that Lin Swan gave in his statement. It just isn't. And I think if you want to approach that, you probably had to make a change on the strength and conditioning side. They just didn't change enough. Um, so, you know, if they would have did a whole, you know, new special teams and defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, then, you know, maybe, but to only change one of the coordinators isn't really, that. that's not enough of a move. I, you know, do the offensive coordinator and strength and conditioning, Maybe you're approaching it, but it's just not enough. The, the The thing, though, is Cliff Kingsbury can fix the offense. And this is a team that was 90th in the in the FBS in scoring offense. They could move up. You know, he's always been in the top 10. Like, USC's probably going to score 40, 45, just with him there. That probably fixed a lot of the problems. But, you know, Sam Darnold fixed a lot of the problems. You know, fixed a lot of the problems. I don't think you're fixing them. You're more just kind of masking them. They'll just score more points. And they'll win some more games. But if you want to compete with to to make the playoff, I don't think they got anywhere close to being enough. But they could they did enough to like probably win the Pac 12, you know, or at least win the South, but not enough to do what USC fans want, and that's compete with the Ohio States and the Alabamas and the Clemsons. They they're not they're they're not there. We're not here to tell you whether or not the strength and conditioning is good or bad. We can't really, we can't, yeah. we're not there to observe it. We can't say, oh, they're right, all stronger than me. I can they're doing that. really good form <laughs> on this. We don't, we, the only the thing we can observe is when they were side by side with Ohio State, Ohio State looked much bigger. Yes. Yeah. Now, you may not be going for massive size. You could be, you know, lean, you know, cut blocking, you know, zone read type of offense with your offense lineman. That's perfectly fine. However, when you say and give a list of things that have to change and culture is one of them, that is one of the easiest ways to enact a change on a culture is with your strength and conditioning coach because they spend so much time and because you've seen you know, the full results of other strength and conditioning coaches. So a change there could potentially change culture. But also when you repeatedly, repeatedly use Notre Dame as an example and you don't do what they did, then don't tell me you really want to change. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. That, that's what I don't understand is why back yourself into that corner where you set the expectation for yourself. No one else did. You did. And you're not even going to follow the example you set for yourself. Why even do that in the first place? I don't understand. It wasn't very smart. No. You don't give an exact example that people can say, okay, they're going to replicate that. You know, if you want to say we've seen what Notre Dame did and we've seen what so-and-so and so-and-so and use three or four and they're different, you can do that. But if you use one particular example, especially, especially when it's your rival, yep, they're going to be like, okay, well, let's study everything. Oh, well, we keep up with them already. Anyway, it's not like you're like, we saw what Clemson did. And USC fans might be like, yeah, I, you know, I, I watch Clemson games when they're in the national yeah. championship, but I don't really know the full backstory of their program. Whereas Notre Dame, you're like, well, I, I pay attention to their recruits and I pay you know, so you can't use a rival in this example and then fall way short of what that rival did. Yeah. It's sort of, you could say it was like this flippant remark, but it was repeated. It was repeated. And it really was just trying to say, all they wanted to say was, hey, this other team was four and eight, and then they turned it around. 
we can do the same thing, not realizing everything that went into what, you know, they made a lot of changes and USC made some changes, but I wouldn't say a lot of changes. That the, the fact that you use Notre Dame as an example, and then you combine it with Lynn Swan's statement of, we know we need to change this and this and this and this. What did you do to change that? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, may, hey, maybe we show up for summer workouts and stuff and off season training or like, they're doing completely different drills. Yeah. Like, you know, people are getting slapped in the face or something. You know, it's just <laughs> something completely different. It catches your eye. You're like, oh, okay, maybe they have made some changes. Right. But when they come back out and it's going to be the same stuff over and over again, you're like, again, what, what changes did you make? You said you want to do this. Then go do it. But they haven't done it. And that's what I don't understand because, like, after the Cotton Bowl – uh, Clay Hilton said the goal was physicality. And then up until mock game week in fall camp, we were impressed with how they were practicing. It was it looked like physical practices, and then they changed it. Man, I, mean, I love mock game week. I, I know. know what we we talk about it all the time. It's like tunnel vision bingo. But at the same time, like <laughs> they, I feel like it's even worse because they've shown that they can do it. They've shown that they can make those changes, but they don't necessarily want to do it. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like you could. It's like we said. Like the Cliff Kingsbury thing was like this big. Huge step, you know, and, and you could have, you know, dove in, but then you sort of just like put your toe in and like, eh, you know, after that, it wasn't really pushing it. We got Steve USC said, will Clay stand back uh, on Periscope? Will Clay stand back and let Cliff run the offense? We, we talk about it a lot. Yeah. I mean, that was, I think, a question early. People were worried about it. No, 100%. And it sounded like Clay Elton was like super excited about it. Like when he was asked, he got some short answers, but this is Cliff Kingsbury's offense. He will run it. So you don't have to worry about that if he's around. He's going to be running things. Did they give him all everything he wanted? I don't think so. They gave him Mike Jenks. That's the only assistant coach that's been under his system. So I don't think they gave him everything, but they're going to give him the keys to, to running things. And so that's why I think you're going to see a lot of success. Uh, we have multiple questions about uh, recruiting. Someone asked, how, how does um, this year's early signing day stack up to last year's early signing day? So last year they signed, I think it was... I think only like eight or ten guys. Eight or ten guys, and then they on the you know for February eight or something. February they got the other number. I think it was eight and then ten. But so Clay Helton brought that up in his press conference, and you know, well, because Dan asked him, he's like, with everyone looking at this recruiting class and seeing that you're ranked in the twenties, you know, what do you say to the fans? That he's like, well, just know it's not over yet. It's not over yet, basically. And they are in it still for a number of guys, you know, Brew McCoy, Kyle Ford, who are going to announce on Saturday. Uh, Chris Steele is going to announce on Saturday that we believe Chris Steele has already signed with a school and probably not USC. Um, you've got those three guys. You got Enoch Vihami, I believe his name is, or Vimahi. Uh, there's an offensive lineman from, um, from Hawaii. You have him, uh, Noah Pola Gates from Arizona. So there are some quality players out there yeah. that can still add to this class. They may be still looking to add 11 guys because Clay Helton also said during his press conference about the, because they have, I believe it was eight and eight. Uh, they announced 16 guys. Was they it 16 announced, or 18? They announced 18 and so then nine and, and nine. And then 19th came later, the, the, yeah. the Australian punter guy. So nine and nine, they announced during it were going to be early enrollees, nine of them being fall enrollees. So of those nine, he said that four of them will count back. So that means the class can now expand to 29 guys rather than 25. USC signed 18 with a 19th, so they could sign up to 10 more guys still, potentially. So uh, I think there's some quality guys out there, and they could bump up. Now, I don't think they're getting in the top five anywhere close to that, but they could potentially get on the threshold of the top 10, yeah. top 15-ish area, which would push them out of being the worst, correct? Because you just wrote a story on, on about yeah. where it would put them. 
Right. Yeah. Right now, this is the first signing period ever that USC hadn't signed a five-star player. So last year they signed uh, a five-star in the early period and then three of them in the, in the later period. So this is the first time the most three stars that USC's ever signed. It's not as good as the other ones. Like just bottom line is just not as good. It's going to be bigger. Like Shotgun was saying, it might end up being 28, 29 guys. Um, so it could be that big, but there's not last year. There was a lot of dudes still in play that USC was like the number one guy for, like JT Daniels and Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, there was another five star that they end up signing. Oh, Talanoa Hufunga, like Devin all the, Williams. Yeah, Devin. Like there's there was a lot of Solomon guys Tulia left Pupu. that they were in the first year of the early signing period. This Marlon. time, it's really now mostly it's most people just sign early. So you could USC is going to move up for sure. They're not going to be 22 like they are right now. I did the class calculator. You can do that on 24-7 sports. And, you know, if no one else moves ahead of them, they could get up to like 10 or 11, it looks like. But I think some of the programs ahead of them were blue blood programs that didn't sign a lot of people, as many people either. I think they're going to jump up a little bit, but it'll get better. But it's going to be probably the worst statistical recruiting class that we've seen since we started uh, covering USC. So it'll be definitely be the most three stars that USC's ever signed. And, you know, as far as rankings go, if they could jump up their fourth in the Pac-12, they've never been worse than second. That's only They've only been second three times. They're first every other year. Um, they'll probably, my guess is they get to second in the Pac-12, which, you know, kind of on par. Sign one five-star, which kind of on par with some of the other, you know, classes. But it's really up there with, you know, it's not up there. It is the, it would, it'll probably be the worst class USC signed during this, you know, the internet era. They'll, they could still finish pretty good if they get the guys out of stakes. Because right now, so I, I wrote a story about this for, for the LA Times about what's remaining. There are nine of the top 85 guys in our 24-7 composite rankings. Nine of the top 85 in California. That's it. Nine of 85. So yeah. less than 10% of the kids in, in California. And USC's not even in on all those kids necessarily. Right. Um, they're Of the top 22 players from the state of California, six of them signed with Oregon. So far, one of them has signed for USC. One of them has signed for UCLA. Yeah. The top 20 in California is another factor you look at. And this is the worst year by far USC's done. I think the the worst they've ever done was like four players in the top 20 in California. And they have one right now. So it's – but you, you're right. There's still some guys you can finish with and still be good. But it's not, it's not like other years where USC can close strong. And this is not a year that you can sell a lot outside of – Cliff Kingsbury. I still think they close. They can close strong. You get Brew McCoy. You get Kyle Ford. If you can talk Puka Nakua into staying, because Kyle Ford is basically going to be a 2020 recruit, because he's, he's not going to be able to play next year. He's have, just had ACL surgery at the end of the season. He's probably you know redshirting this year. Maybe you can talk Nakua into saying, hey, you know you were going to sign anyways. You know without him, you know you're not really competing with him. He's competing with the next group of guys. Maybe you keep him. You keep Jordan Wilmore. Uh, and then you go out and you get uh, Vamahi or Vahami, I don't remember how, which uh, yeah. transposing those, and you get Paula Gates. I think that's closing strong. I yeah, think there's still is. guys out there you can close strong with, but it, it starts with obviously getting Brew McCoy. Uh, you know, that's your true five star guy that could play either side of the ball. Yeah. Um, so I think it starts with him, but if you close with him and you close with potentially getting Kyle Ford, another five star guy, and you get a couple more of those higher four star guys that are out of state, I think that's closing strong. Now, it may not be the same as 
you know, 2004, 2005, are you expecting that? Those teams were coming off that or in national championship contender. When you have a 500 record, I think that's pretty good. Yeah. If they close strong and get into the top 15, I think that's good for them, you know, if they can do that. Now, is it the ideal recruiting class? No, of course not. But when you go, when you have a losing record, you take what you this get. This is kind of what, yeah. This yeah. Is what, it's true. This is what you got. Uh, we're reaching the top of the hour, so get your final questions in. We have a question from William who says, how can Cliff's offense be successful if the O-line is not getting the job done? Well, the, the offense is really built to to be successful without as much talent. So, I mean, you can do well. They, they spread you out wider. The, the, you know, if you watch the offensive line, there'll be wider splits. Um, that's why you kind of like would like an offensive line coach that has, has worked in the system before. I don't know how technical it's going to be, but I think you you're, it's designed to not have the biggest, baddest offensive lineman in the world and still have these quick reads and, and getting the ball out fast and, and, and moving them and spreading out the entire defense using the entire field. I think it's designed to not have, uh, you know, great offensive linemen. I think USC has really good offensive linemen. They got four and five star guys in there. If you coach them up and get them in the right system, I think it can work well. So I wouldn't say, oh, the offensive line sucks. This offense isn't going to work. I, I just don't think it works that way. Also, the identity of the offense kind of changes when you lose a guy like Tolobanon. Um, you have Tim Darno in there, who's kind of more uh, rotation prone. Um, getting Justin Dedich or uh, Brett Nealon in there, seeing how those guys shake out, it's, it's a different type of offense yeah. of line for sure. And from what I've heard from previous offensive linemen about Tim Drevno is that he molds things to best fit the players. So I think he can be adaptable himself to the new offense. I don't think it's that big of an issue. There's a lot of a lot of stuff is the technique is similar. It's just you're you're basically you got quicker passes a lot of times. You're spreading out the field, so you're not going to have the extra tight end in there, the block. So they're going to do a little bit more. You know, it, it's going to be about the communication. You know, picking up blitzes and different things like that as well. Um, but I, I think that they uh, that they can be fine with Tim Drevno. I'm not as, as much concerned about it as you are as far as wanting to bring in a guy uh, that has more experience in that offense. We had a kind of similar one on Periscope. Sheehan, I think it is. Who would uh, the starting offensive line be if the season started tomorrow? Um, is is Tolo Banan having eligibility left or he's got no? <laughs> no. Uh, I'd probably go at center. Uh, I think it's going to be Brett Nealon. Um, you think him? Or I, I don't know who starts at center, though. I always go left or right. Okay. Left tackle is your most important. All right, go Austin Jackson is going to be left tackle. Sure, okay. Left guard, probably Elijah Vera Tucker. I would guess. Uh, because that's replacing Chris Brown. Uh, you want a strong left side. Then you have Brett Nealon in the middle. Uh, then the question becomes at that right guard position, you keep an Andrew Voorhees there. You think so? Then at right tackle, that means Jalen McKenzie staying there, or does Clayton Bradley get back in the rotation? You remember he was he was the guy rotating a tackle before, and then halfway through the season he had a neck injury and then never got back in the rotation. He came back from the injury, but you know Jalen McKenzie had basically taken his spot. Um, how confident are you in that group? I really like the left side. I think there's work to be done on that right side yeah. for sure. I think they just need to be. I, I, as players, I think they're. It's. I think they have talent there. I think there's yeah. enough talent there. I think it's really just being coached up, and uh, you know, we'll see what Tim Drevno is able to do. I think more confident in him than what you had with Neil Callaway. But it is a new system, so uh, they're going to be asked to be doing some different things. It's a lot different blocking, especially with the run blocking. There's going to be a lot of different ways to do things. True. Maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. We had multiple questions asking about Clancy Pendergast. Uh, multiple people actually asked, what are the chances of him leaving for an NFL job? You hear that a little bit? Um, you know, 
that would be another big sort of shakeup. We we just never got the feeling that Clay Helton wanted to get rid of him. Um, it would be more of if he's going to leave uh, on his own. Now is the time. There's a lot of shit. You know, we're seeing with eight openings of the head coaching job, there's going to be a bunch of jobs moving around. So, I, I mean, I think it's a possibility, but uh, I wouldn't say it's I, I wouldn't say it's probable at this point, but it's it's possible again. Makes sense. Any uh, other final questions? I got some rapid fire. Go rapid fire it up. Ooh. Uh, what was your best Christmas present, guys? Jasper Smith asking the important questions. Yeah. Uh, what would be my best? It's supposed to be rapid fire. I'm Sorry. Oh, I got Whatever. a masterclass pass for my mom. Ooh, nice. So I get to watch like Hans Zimmer and stuff like that. I'm a nerd, so it sounds fun. <laughs> nice. Uh, I mean, I got a lot of clothes that I like. I got juggling balls that was cool. My mom gave me some juggling balls. But I got this like tray thing that you could put on your bed and like put your computer on and stuff. It's kind of cool. I forget what it's called, but that you're, was, you're old, right? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty neat. I got one of those. I got similar, juggling balls. That's I not similar old to that, but so. but then I had to send it back. It wasn't as good as need be. I got two new Atlanta Braves hats. That's where we're at, guys. Oh. Oh. Is, if Bubba is back on the roster, who's the starting safeties? You have to assume that Talanoa Hufunga is a starting safety. Yes. And yeah. then I think the, the then the other position is in question between Bubba and Isaiah Polamau, depending on Polamau's shoulder as, as he comes back. And that's a big question mark, too. Yeah, that's that's a big question. So that's why I think it's still up in the air. Based off of his previous coaching jobs, how does Greg Burns look as a coach? You were here during his previous tenure. They won two national championships the last time. I mean, he wasn't, I think Dan and I talked about it. It wasn't like the most memorable, like you didn't really like, oh, wow, the defensive back coach is doing a great job. Right? It just wasn't, you know, all that memorable. You know, he was at Oregon State, you know, so I don't know. We'll see. I think it's an upgrade. Um, is it a huge upgrade? Uh, I'm not sure. Jordan Merchant asks, would this year's recruiting class suffer if Kingsbury leaves? Don't really think so. I think you're a little too late for that. I don't think anybody's switching their mind right at the last minute. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe it could impact like a, the Kyle Ford, Brew McCoy thing, where if th those are two five star guys, those you know the only two five stars at USC is after right now. Do you want to be in the same? We, Greg Biggins talked about potentially not wanting to really be in the same class. A Cliff Kingsbury could make it so you would want to be in the same class, and maybe if you lose him, you lose one of them because uh, we don't want to be. You know, we want to be in the cool offense, so we'll come together. You know, maybe. You know what I mean? Yeah, Micah asked can while we were talking about Bubba Bowen, can Jack and Levi return as well? No. 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 What do you guys think will be uh who do you guys think will be contenders for starting positions at cornerbacks? Because as we all know, that was our biggest hole. That will be our biggest hole next year. Sorry, I meant risk that. Starting cornerbacks. Um You're making me do this on the spot. Um so Chase Williams is probably gonna be the nickelback. Nickel, I would guess at this point. Right. Greg Johnson. Um, Isaac, Isaac Taylor Stewart and OG. Elijah Griffin are your top contenders, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of feel like Elijah Griffin will be the the guy. Uh, and then maybe the other two with uh, Greg Johnson and uh, Isaac Taylor Stewart will be kind of fighting it out. But I, I feel like Griffin will be in there for sure. Were our new outside linebacker and defensive back coaching hire smart or was it another safe move by Clay Helton? Safer. I think I think they tried to get a good defensive back coach, a younger, yeah. more energetic, uh, like recruiter, and uh, just for whatever reason, we put some stuff in the war room. It was, it just wasn't going to. You know, there's some with the, the the program and the kind of turmoil they're in. It was going to be harder to get some of these guys that they're in good positions right now. So, yeah, I think I think it was safer, but that was out of necessity. I don't know what was the other one. The outside linebacker Joe outside, Forrest. 
Yeah, that oh, that's completely safe. That's that's the worst one of them all. And I don't know a whole lot about Joe DeForest, but he's he's coached special. He's known as a special team coach. If you were got rid of Baxter and brought in DeForest, I mean that's that's fine, whatever. But that was a that was sort of a like last minute, like just throw it in, like you you know you need a a last minute stocking stuffer, and you're at the grocery store and you pick up the Starbucks card like in, in Vons or something. It took us seven oh five, but we got the food analogy. It yeah. was close. <laughs> like is that really food? That was the coffee kind of thing. I'm gonna let it. But slide. that was sort of like this last minute, like throw it in. You needed one more thing to throw in the stocking, and uh, it wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of thought put into that. I would say. Yeah, that was a super safe one, in my opinion. Uh, Jerry, do you guys feel we will we might still get a stud in recruiting? Yes, Brew McCoy is still yeah, is USC yeah. lean as of this moment. Trojan Trojan asks, is it true Kingsbury will get rid of scammer JT Daniels? Because this really be true. Is, is is JT Daniels sending out Prince of what? Nigeria emails? Or I feel like <laughs> I missed to the Family Feud Pod at gmail.com. Yeah, that must be where we're getting all those from. Our yeah. Family Feud in, inbox keeps getting Nigerian Prince ones. It must it's be true. JT Daniels getting scammer. Like oh my gosh! Like the, the the hate for JT Daniels out there from a small contingent of USC fans just baffles me. Yeah, and if if Kingsbury comes in with JT Daniels, I think it'll be a very successful combination. Yes. Uh, Next year when he throws for like 40 touchdowns, you're going to be like, oh. Oh, well, scammer. <laughs> scammer. Yeah. Can we like call back to these comments? <laughs> <laughs> What's a realistic expectation for next year? Realistic, Ivan says. Realistic? The fans are not going to be happy because they never are. I think like. Because they're not going to win the national championship and that's the only way fans would be happy. I mean, minimum would be eight and four like with. Kingsbury as the offensive coordinator, I'd say like you got to be at least three games better just by doing that, like just fixing the offense. I mean, other stuff would have to go really wrong for them to, you know, not have that kind of a record with them scoring forty points again. Dominic, is the Kingsbury to NFL noise hurting recruiting right now? It doesn't help, which makes you wonder how much of this is coming from other sides because uh, we've gotten some uh, some posts from Texas people on our boards and stuff, want to yeah. throw stuff out there. So yeah. Of, it's recruiting. It's, it's recruiting. Yeah. That's what happens. Uh, John, who would become, would whoever becomes the new president of USC consider taking things into his own hands if Clay and Lynn are doing awful? We don't know. It depends on the person. Who you is she, the by president? The way. Could be a she. There's a current female president yeah, right now. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Yeah, it did say his hands. You were correct. Trojan Trojan <laughs> also says, do we have any chance of beating Fresno State? Yes, they'll beat Fresno State, guys. I don't know why. I, I'm not going to be that flippant about it, but the, yeah. I am. Shotgun, your history, your track record yeah. on who USC should beat, it hasn't been all that great this past couple no. uh, games. So just throwing How that out there. How many non-conference games early in the season they lost? I didn't say that they would beat Boston College, although they should have beat Boston College. Mark, have there any been any juniors who are leaving for the NFL draft? None that we've heard of, and yeah. it doesn't appear that anyone is. Right. That's, is that's not a great – usually you're like, oh, this guy's leaving. The fact that it's not happening, it's – not that good. <laughs> I would assume that that a couple of guys still got uh, still got the uh, evaluation. Uh, evaluation. <laughs> there we go. I'm yeah. lost for words. Yeah, I'm sure a couple guys got evaluations, but I don't think anyone. I think the deadline's like him. January 15th or something. But I've, we yeah. haven't heard anything about that. Uh, Rapid fire from Facebook. David says, "Will Josh Imatorbebe ever break into the offense?" I hope so. He tried until his ankle. Yeah, he got hurt yeah. after scoring a touchdown in, in spring. He's practice. athletic, man. It'd be oh. good to see him. But but as of right now, he is down below a bunch of people. And you know, the fact that both Tyler Vaughn and Michael Pittman will be back means they will be the starting guys next year. Gary Leach says in KK system, who is a better fit, uh, step or car? Car. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. Yeah. 
I'd probably go with Carr. But I think both can play. Yeah, and if you spread the defense out and you only have one linebacker in the box and then you have a heavy back, that's a good matchup too. So both of those actually can work depending on how you want to use it. And that's the thing with Cliff Kingsbury from what we've seen in the past is that he will feature guys as need be. Jasper said, besides Vahami, who it was Vahami. Sorry, guys. Are we in the hunt? I think it was Vahami. So, I don't know. Someone <laughs> else told me that. Confusing name. Are we in the hunt for any more offensive linemen? Yes, there's guys like Dewan Jones at uh, in Indianapolis and a couple other guys. Um, so there are still some guys they're looking at. I mean, USC was just in the top four for a U, uh, for a Georgia safety out of the blue the other day. So, you know, with the new the early signing period, it's changed things a lot. So you know now, if a guy is still remaining and he thought he was being unrecruited and said, oh, "I don't want to commit yet," now other teams can be like, "All right, I'm going after him." And yeah. that's kind of what's happened with Dewan Jones. USC probably had a pretty good chance with him earlier, but now that he's kind of left over, and hey, if you're Ohio State or you're Michigan or you're a Big Ten school in that area, and you're like, you know, we we do great on offensive line, you're going full bore on that guy now because you signed pretty much all the rest of your class. Right. It's Vamahi. Vamahi. Jasper got it wrong for me. See? <laughs> Jasper. We'll see him in Hawaii in a couple weeks. Yeah, we'll, thanks for the invite. I found out about that today. <laughs> Whatever. Sorry. I, I I'm going some, to work. Yeah, it's a work trip, Keely. A work trip, sure. <laughs> I got two left. Why is Puka uh, not a slam dunk for USC? Because they just brought in a, a bunch of receivers and – you, you, you bring in five guys in a recruiting class, it's usually you're going to have some people like, nah, I don't know if I'm going to get enough right. playing time here. And also his brother is starring right now at Utah as a receiver. So, you know, that's a that's a good local pull to you as well. So that makes it more difficult. And he's balling out at the Army All-American Bowl practices right now. So I'm not, not Army, it's not the All-American Bowl practices now. So he's doing great. And like Shotgun said, it's sort of like there's just not that many great receivers left. So... He's going to be courted a lot. And if he doesn't feel like it's a great situation at USC, he could definitely, there's a lot of places he could go. And Than said, how soon do you think USC would be able to compete with Alabama? As Not soon by as, 2020. As soon as Nick Saban retires. <laughs> um, and lastly, Greg Wine says, will SC go bowling next season if Kingsbury leaves for the NFL? Will SC go bowling? Oh, is that what? Yes. Bowling? Um, Maybe not. The actual board? It depends who the hire. I mean, they would have to make a good hire because the offense was broken. So do you have confidence that they would go out and make a good hire at this point when it's not the most ideal situation? I don't know. But I, to me, it's just, it'll all depend on the offensive coordinator hire. Trying to replace Kingsbury. You don't need to get to a Kingsbury, but you got to get somebody that has their own system that's really good at, at it. Not someone that's going to come in and just work with whatever system USC has now. And they could always just go on a group outing and go bowling, like Keely said. They play, they play laser tag. Might as well yeah, go I was going to say paintballing, but it was laser tag. Uh, some inside baseball questions from Jasper and Kay. Jasper says, when is the next Tunnel Illusion? And Kay says, when are you guys doing call-ins? Oh, uh, so we, we haven't talked really about the next one. We just sort of put this one together <laughs> yesterday. Shotgun was almost late. <laughs> yeah, someone didn't tell me what time we were showing up. I, it's been posted publicly Uh you were tagged anyway. in Anyway. Um, let's see. I don't know if we're going to do a Sunday show or not. Do we guys want to do one or? <laughs> Probably not. I don't, no clue. We'll, we'll, we'll get to back to you, Jurassic. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We might just do like a weekday show, like a Thursday evening show or something for now. And uh, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to still work on that, the call-in stuff. Um, we need to get some more help in here because we're thin-staffed as it is. But, you know, getting someone else to help uh, with the calls, still working on so we'll uh, we'll play up with that in the off season for sure. 
Um, working on it. And uh, Gary says, any update on John Jackson? Yeah, we got that on uh, on on Periscope as well. So, he, you know, they wanted to keep things uh, somewhat private early on. He's been in the hospital, I think, like five or six weeks now. He had, a, I believe it was a stroke, and he's doing better, but it's going to be a long uh, road to recovery. I think he's going to be in the hospital for a few months. Wow. Um, so former, you know, USC football player and, and current analyst. Well, he's, what is he, the... Um, He's on the sideline now. He's the the color commentator with the analyst for high school football. Yeah. Oh, for high school football as well. Yeah, for high school football with Fox Sports and then also for USC with Pete Arbogast. And he was also the co-host with Jordan Moore on uh, um, Trojans Live. So uh, they had Sean Cody filling in the last time at least. But yeah, so I think it's going to be a longish road to recovery. There's a, on the website, there's an address, a PO box. If you wanted to send like a card or something, you can do that. Uh, we posted it up on uscfootball.com on the message board, but check it out. So de- definitely, I mean, one of the great dudes out there. We we, we love chatting with him, and uh, we're really shocked to find out that you know he was in the hospital like that. So speed, you know, speedy recovery to uh, JJ for sure. Um, any final thoughts before we wrap it up? Loser asked me, uh, what would it take for a shotgun to wear a strap back dad's hat and welcome in the 21st century? I don't wear snapbacks. No, I think they also fitted. asked if that's stitched to your head. Can we get confirmation? Comes off. Wow. It's amazing. It's only fitted seven and three eighths. Three fourths. Seven and three eighths. Oh, my bad. Sorry. Ah, <laughs> I know. Can't take her anywhere. Does, I'm sorry. It's not like you guys goodness. do a podcast together. Oh, you guys doing a. When, when's your next. Uh, I will be contacting my associate Chuckin on that. Nice. Yeah. Once oh. you learn what his hat size is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. wrap it up. <laughs> Alrighty. That's going to wrap it up. That's Shotgun. That is Ryan. I'm Keely. Thanks for watching so much. Happy New Year's. Uh, and we'll see you next time. Happy New Year.